listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day it's different. They change, but they don't know what they want. All they do is change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going left, going right, travel day, travel night. That's where we'll go. No excuses, no goodbyes, no one cries, no one lies. We'll never know. It, it. Bucks in the basement, bellying up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. I'm Chris. He's Craig. He's a super Pirates fan. He's uh, he's like, you know, I don't want this season to end. We're not even going to the postseason. I don't want it to end. I don't know what I'm going to do in the offseason. And we're going to have lots to do in the offseason because we're going to be talking about what they need to do next, my friend. They need to spend a little money. They need to get a little aggressive in the trade market. They got to take some of these prospects that are not yet there and identify which ones they still want to hold on to and which ones have value that other teams may want, but they know they would rather get something else for. I want to see activity. I don't want to hear any more of we're just letting things develop and we're, we're, we're just sitting on the back burner and seeing what's happening. I want to see activity, and I want to see that this offseason. Without that, I, I think I would be crushed. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't disagree with you, Chris. I mean, I almost want to like jump forward to like December, January and February and, you know, just see what we did. I mean, there's points in this that are, that are kind of fun. I mean, just the, the different rumors and stuff that comes out, but I think I'm past that point for me. Like we can't end up, uh, especially like at the end of next season with a two man rotation and, not a ton of options and players like, you know, Nick Gonzalez, who's who's gone back down to triple a and played fairly well, you know, kind of being, I don't know if he's blocked at this point in time, figuring out what's going on with O'Neill Cruz. And if he's going to be able to step back into the shortstop position, how the ankles feeling. Yeah. In some ways I, I kind of do want to jump forward and know if, I mean, I just want to know if I'm going to be disappointed. I don't want to be disappointed. I don't think we should be disappointed. I'm hoping that they start to do some stuff, but you never know exactly how things are going to turn out. I mean, throwing Jared Triolo into first base, it was something I had tweeted about a long time ago. And I said, I don't really even see the point of it. Like the guy is never been a power hitter, not going to be a power hitter, plays well on defense. He's at most a utility guy, which every team needs. But the last thing I wanted to see is if Jared Triolo, I mean, good for him if he took off for like the last, you know, 18 games of the season or whatever. But I don't want them to think that they are safe 
in like any of these positions that they're really not. I mean, there's definitely, you know, starting pitching. We've already talked about first base. We've already talked about, but if you can upgrade anywhere, I say, go ahead and do it. Well, you, you, you have it set up for you to be able to upgrade. I mean, there are teams that are going to be looking for second base, third base, shortstop, middle infield, and they are going to have a hard time in free agency, but there's, there's options at first base that you can go out and get short-term or long-term to be able to compete. There's options in the outfield. It's rather deep with the amount of players if you need to supplement your outfield, and you shouldn't feel like you're not going to do that because of the talent you have. Heck, you you should have you you should still have an eye towards that and say, do we have a hitter that we want to add in there that inc- that improves our outfield? There's options at starting pitcher. It's very deep. There, the, those are the positions probably that are the deepest. Hitters, and there's some good designated hitters, there's some good outfielders, there's some solid first basemen, there's some good starting pitching out there. There's some catchers out there too, but I don't think you need that. But I mean, that's, that's what the free agent class is right now. And so it's available to you and it's deep enough that you should be able to find talent. And the, and the Pirates have found that over the last couple of years, right? You have to admit that Ben Charrington has, has identified and his staff have identified a couple of like journeyman players or guys that were not at the top of list at certain positions that they brought in who played well for them. They've actually been able to do that. I'm not talking about the ones where they were like, let's see what sticks with this guy who was released. I'm talking about the fact that they, they, they grabbed up a few different players, even this year that were good for them, at least for the first half that they got, they got some solid contributions from. They can find talent. I'm not doubting they can find talent. Now you have to identify the right talent the right amount of years that you think that that talent's going to be good, and then go out and add to the team. And you don't need to break the bank to do it. You just have to be willing to spend, I don't know, an average amount of money in Major League Baseball. I'll take below average. Be, you know what, how about this? Be like the 19th highest payroll in baseball. Do that, and I'll be fine. You could make a lot of improvements just going up to that level right now. Yeah, and you also want to see guys, you know, take steps forward, because I think that's where... I mean, the pre-mentioned thing, you know, what I just talked about is that, you know, we're down to two starting pitchers because if you told me before the beginning of the season that Luis Ortiz and Rowanzi Contreras combined in the majors this year would have less innings than Johan Oviedo, who's like, I think, second on our team in innings. He's maybe about, I think it's like 10 or 12 innings behind Mitch Keller, who's, I think, almost in the top 10 in Major League Baseball. So good for Mitch. But if you told me that those guys, you know, combined didn't have as many innings, I'd be like, okay, God, what kind of catastrophic injury, you know, succumbed to our team? I mean, we did lose JT Brubaker, Vince Velasquez, Michael Burrows. I mean, we've been over that a billion times. But if you told me that type of thing, I mean, I would have just been absolutely shocked. So I, I feel like you also can't, you know, waste or have guys take steps back because, I mean, last year, Ronzi Contreras, to me, was kind of geared up to have like a, a fairly good season. I mean, Ronzi Contreras last year in the majors was a guy who, you know, w- was sitting somewhere around a, a 379 ERA, a 1.274 whip over 95 innings. The only time he really spent in the minors was because I mean, they were manipulating time a little bit, but they were saying, oh, you know, we can get him more rest days and whatever down there. I mean, the guy had what should have been a fairly solid season and was looking for him to take that next step forward. 
I wasn't as sure about Luis Ortiz, but he kind of fell into the same thing, had a good stretch towards the end. I figured at least one of those two guys, and we could be moving forward with, you know, Mitch, uh, Johan, and, you know, one of those two. And right now, there's not that clear spot right there. So I, I know we have to get at least two starting pitchers. I mean, before it could have been, okay, maybe get one guy and then a couple other guys like Quinn Priester, Jared Jones, or somebody else could fight it out. But now, I mean, you have to get two starting pitchers just because of the, I mean, a little bit of mess that's been started there. And the only other guys that can come up beyond that are, you know, just down in Altoona this year. So those are guys that, I mean, we've kind of seen how Ben Sherrington has played that card before is the guys will, you know, come up to Indianapolis if they perform a little bit, you know, better then you know, they'll get that cup of coffee at the end of the year. But I mean, we need pitchers at the beginning of the season, not, you know, at the end of the season. And if you don't get that, then my dear God, we're, we could be looking at the same mess uh, at the end of next year. And, and that's definitely, that's not a good thing. Well, here's the thing. You can look at starting pitchers. MLB.com put out like a list of all the different free agents. I want to say it was about a month ago they put it up. And so I, I pulled it up here while we were talking. And I believe that they they list everybody just by their wins above replacement. So just kind of looking at the names like Shohei's like up at the top of starting pitchers. Like, I think we'd all love to have Shohei. He's not coming to Pittsburgh. But I mean, like, it'd be great. I mean, Clayton Kershaw's up there towards the top. And Aaron Nola, though, would be like somebody I'd be like, yes, get me that guy. Like, bring him on. But I can go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I'll go to the 10th guy on the list, and I'll take a Jordan Montgomery in the Pirates rotation. I would take that. That would be a really nice addition into your rotation. I take a guy a couple spots below him on the list in a Kenta Maeda who really put it together. And I know he's older. But he's a guy you could sign for a couple of years who's got some gas. That's not like a one-year thing that you would give, that you would be doing like what you did with Rich Hill. That's a guy who can contribute for a little bit and pitch for you. And 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 that's a guy that if your scouts say, we think he's got something for a couple of years, let's give him a couple-year deal or a, a one-year with another-year option or whatever we're going to do, you can go out and you can improve things. Frankie Montas, remember when he was with the A's? And then he got himself hurt. And he's going to be a free agent next year. He's going to be coming off a of surgery, and he's going to be strong, and supposedly he's going to get the pitch here at the very end of the season, or at least be completely healthy and maybe working out already. Here's a guy who's going to be ready to come back. He's sitting at the bottom of the list. He's a guy that with you might need a prove-it deal with him, and you, and you might be able to go get him at a steal. I, I try to put myself in Ben Charrington's shoes because I always say the best general managers understand who their owner is and how much money the owner will spend. Best general managers know if their owner does not want to give away 10-year deals because he's got a problem with it. The best general managers understand whether or not you've got an owner who's like, I don't sign pitchers for more than three years because I've been burned before. The best general managers know what the budget is. Even if they, they feel like it's wrong and they should get more, they know what the budget is and they work within that budget. And so if I'm Ben Charrington, I know I'm not going and getting Shohei Otani, but I'm identifying names right now in price ranges that I think that I can get within Bob Nutting's constraints. And I think there's plenty of pitching to go out there and get. And I think you can go out and identify a first baseman. There's a couple of names in there. I mean, I like Hoskins. I, I've always liked Reese Hoskins. And I think that that, I mean, that's that's the pie in the sky. Go get him. The one I don't want him to get is C.J. Cron because that guy only hits well in Denver. 
and he's going to be a name that's going to get bantied about. You saw him get traded at the trade deadline. Some some team bid on him. I can't remember who it was. It might have been the Padres, or maybe it was the Angels. It was the Angels. They bid on C.J. Cron. They're like, oh, look at his stats. Well, according to our according to our uh, sabermetricians, you look at his WRC plus, and oh, this guy's a ball player. We got to get him on our team. Yeah, he's only a ball player when he's a mile high. Otherwise, he's <laughs> awful. So I mean, like you you just want to see intelligence when they're spending their money. If they're doing that. I don't worry so much about the budget. I wish it was higher. It should be higher, and Bob Nutting is cheap. I mean, put it on the banner at the bottom of the screen here. I mean, like Bob, like that's. I'm fine with it. I agree with it, right? But as long as Ben Charrington understands his constraints and works within them, and they do a good job identifying talent, which they have, they should be able to make an impact on this team in free agency. They have enough pieces that they can move players to pick up players that they need. I think that a, an active general manager this offseason, Ben Charrington, should be. Yeah, he, he kind of has to be, Chris. And, and like you said, they have identified players, and they've had success with those players, and those players have had you know, good experiences here. I mean, obviously, Carlos Santana is saying he's one, he wants to come back. There's a lot of smoke surrounding that. I mean, obviously, he wants to come back. I mean, he had you know kind of like a rebound season here, hasn't played you know, extremely well since he's been gone, but – he enjoyed being here. I mean, even the grumpy man in Rich Hill, you know, went out there and took the ball and he was, he did exactly what you needed him to do, which was, you know, be a role model to some of the younger players and had a good experience. We've talked about Jose Quintana, you know, we, we talked, you could go back to from whenever Ben Sherrington started, he always kind of identifies those, those guys there. Like you said, it, it just has to be for more than one year in my estimation, just because, you know, if there are injuries, if there are guys that don't develop, if there's guys that fall back, I mean, you want to have at least somewhat of a cushion. But that's going to happen. Do you see, that's the thing. Things are going to happen. You're going to have players progress. You're going to have players take a step back and you're going to have injuries. You're going to have that every year. So, you, you know, the one thing you can't rely on is that everybody's going to progress and everybody's going to be healthy. That's why you got to go out and do something in the offseason if you're going to compete, right? Yeah. I mean, like, that, that's what you got to go do. If you ever see me out and about in Pittsburgh, you will always recognize me. And not just because of the white beard, but also because of the why that is always on top of my head. The hat I always wear. The Yin's brand. Proud partners with Bucks in the Basement. Three dynasties. One brand. Yin's. Finally, one brand to rep all black and gold. Follow at Shop Yin's for new merch drops and giveaways. Order online at WW Shop Yins, the emphasis on the two Z's, high quality comfort, lightweight materials, a new modern look for the black and gold, made for Yins by a Yinzer. You also have to get robot umps for Cabrian. You gotta get, <laughs> gotta get him some robot umps. I love that. I love that he went off on Twitter. I thought that was great. Well, the funny thing is I looked and he had not made like a, an actual comment himself on Twitter since like, I think it was like the middle of January. I mean, he, right. He was pissed. He had to ask somebody what his password was. He, He's like, do I have Twitter? 
I have something to tweet. Or what do you do now? Do you X and yeah, you post? Yeah, post. Oh, I, so I don't even know. I just, I'll still call so it Twitter. Stupid. I mean, it's nothing like taking a brand that was built up to the point where it was recognizable worldwide, even by people that didn't have computers, and then just changing it. Because, I mean, it's just so stupid. I don't get it. But he's a billionaire and I'm not. But, I mean, like, like, but you know he had to look up his password. And he had to be like, I, I got to figure out how to get on this thing and send a message. And, oh, what is this? I thought it used to have a bird on it. And then he sent out his message. Yeah. And I mean, he just basically was calling for accountability from the ump. He just said, you know, it was like a three, one count was just looking for the ump to be held accountable after the game. The ump did the little shrug emoji, which I mean, emojis that's, you're not going to change that. Those are emojis. He does the shrug emoji (laughs) and, and just basically the ump say, I gave you a chance to hit a home run. Yeah. Oh, what a, what a ridiculous line. I mean, you know, is he, I, you don't know if he's being a jerk or he thinks he's being funny and keeping things light. So, cause he doesn't want to throw him out of the game. Cause that's the thing. Like some of these umpires will throw a guy out the moment he asks a question. Yeah. So he didn't do that. Right. He didn't do that. Try to keep it light. Got to kind of respect that a little bit, but I mean, yeah, you're right. Some of these umpires, they need to be held accountable. I'm with you, Cabrian. I'm with you. Okay. Laz Diaz should not be an umpire. Angel Hernandez should not be an umpire. I mean, I, I think anybody that watches those guys call games know that there's umpires out there that should not be umpires anymore. And the worst part is that the worst umpires in Major League Baseball are the most demonstrative about their power. They can't wait to throw you out of the game. They can't wait to get in the face of you. They can't wait to get in the face of your coach. And they can't wait to wield their power. And Major League Baseball does nothing about it. So I'm all for guys like Brian Hayes and every other Major League Baseball player continuously calling out how bad the umpires are at their job. I hate the idea of robot umps because I am a traditionalist. I really am. I love baseball and the tradition of baseball. I do. And Major League Baseball instead should fire umpires. But because of the agreement that they have with the umpires union, they just don't seem to be able to fire umpires. In fact, remember remember the court case in the last year or so? Angel Hernandez sued Major League Baseball. I do remember that. And he went to court, and he was mad because he didn't get to go into the playoffs because of his seniority, and he wasn't getting big games where he would make more money. And so Major League Baseball had to prove he was a garbage umpire. And they were able to prove in a court of law that Angel Hernandez <laughs> is the worst umpire in Major League Baseball. But even being able to prove that in a court of law, they still can't fire him for some reason because of the the way that this is all set up with their union. So it's a disaster created by Major League Baseball in dealing with umpires, probably because they were being cheap. I'm sure somebody, if they looked into it, would be like, well, Major League Baseball gave this away at the union meetings because they didn't want to give him health care or they didn't want to pay him a livable wage or there was some reason why this was given away, the power to be able to get rid of these guys when they're bad at their job. But they know they can't be fired. There's video of Angel Hernandez smiling at cameras as people flip him off when he leaves the ballpark. People wait outside the ballpark for him. I've seen these before. People wait outside the ballpark and people will line up with their middle fingers out waiting for him to come out. He comes out and waves at the crowd. He loves it. He eats it up. You can't fire him. He's rich. He's got a nice car. He drives away. Okay? So, yeah, that's why we're going to have to have an automated strike zone. That's why we're going to have to do it. Because Major League Baseball completely screwed us up in terms of how they oversee their umpires and the accountability of it. If there's no accountability, and now I'm not looking on a fuzzy screen with some rabbit ears, and I can actually see it paint the corner. At this point, I know that the umpire's wrong. 
You've given me so much technology that I know that every play, which plays are right and which plays are wrong. And you've brought in instant replay to fix the majority of this stuff. But you can't fix balls and strikes, which change a game so much. I mean, they change a game so much. It changes what the pitch is going to be the next pitch. And in a 1-1 count, if you get the ball or strike wrong, you change everything in the probability. Being 2-1 against a pitcher means that he knows he doesn't want to go 3-1. You got a better chance of a ball coming into the zone. You're 1-2. You're back on your heels and you're protecting. Now, all of a sudden, you're not even... Your plate, you've expanded your plate. You're likely to swing at something that's more outside. And and you you're you're protecting rather than being aggressive, just on that one call on a one one pitch. It's not the last. It's not the last call of the at bat, right? It's not the three two count that really gets you. It's the one one count. It's the thing early in the count that changes everything and then impacts the game. And that's what the problem is. If there's not going to be accountability for these umpires, then you have to bring in an automated strike zone. You have to. And that was kind of Cabrian's point, I believe. I mean, because like he was, he was walked. He was, it was three one. He was walked, and then ends up getting out. If he gets on, and then somebody else gets on, and somebody else hits a home run, then basically, I mean, you're you're right back in the game. He's competing. He wants you know to do well. I mean, the big thing for me, I mean, Chris, I'm kind of on board with you, just with the automated balls and strikes. I I hope for at least. A couple years, they find that little middle ground that they're doing in AAA where they have the ABS system in place, but they have the ump calling it. And then you get that little challenge where, you know, oh, that'd be great. Where the pitcher- that'd be great. Angel Hernandez getting challenged 47 times a game. Yeah, they want to shorten games. It's going to take four hours to get through his games with all the challenges. Yeah, and I think it'll kind of be like football or something where if you get like if you get the first three right, then you get a couple more. I don't know if they're gonna like <laughs> let you challenge everything. You know what I mean? Like I, I think it might kind of go that direction, but at least in some estimations, you would be in control of your own destiny where if you really know and you could tell, like Cabrian knew, umpires, everybody knew. And we've seen this go, you know, for the pirates as well a couple of times. I I think I'd mentioned somewhere that, you know, I think it was David Bednar struck out Contreras for the Brewers on a pitch that was very similar to Cabrian's. And even like Greg Brown was like, and we were given the third, the third strike and the pirate raises Jolly Roger and all this kind of stuff and everything. Yay. So like, they know it's happening as well, but I, I mean, I would w- want that ball player to just basically say, you know what? You took the bat out of my hands. I could have tied this game give the little tap on the top of his helmet and say, okay, let's go to the replay and, and let me see you wrong. So there would at least be at some accountability. I Give the batters the challenges. That would be the best part. Give the batter one challenge and a bat. Here's the problem with the challenges. Your idea that it, eventually they would run out. I mean, we've seen umpires become vindictive. Yeah. They get angry when they're showing up. So now they start calling even worse things and they're doing it on purpose. And so that's why I don't know if I like the challenge system. I just rather it just be called, you know, or, or, or use it to actually grade the umpires now and hold them accountable. You can't, you can't get a 96% rate or something like that. And trust me, some of these guys are in the eighties. They're the umpire scorecard. It's a great thing to follow on X or Twitter or whatever you call it. You go follow it. I've talked to that guy before and they, they take all the data from major league baseball and that's all they do is they pump out what the accuracy is and they show the worst calls and how many runs 
that could have impacted the game by. And sometimes you see it impact the game by three runs in favor of a team because of the situation where it is. And they use the probabilities and they show that thing. It's really interesting. Major League Baseball isn't using it. And they, they, they are showing right there. You can use the data already in place right now. And you can grade the umpires out and decide whether or not it impacted a game. But for some reason, Major League Baseball isn't doing it. So yeah, they, def- they definitely have to do something about that because it, think about the effect that it has on a young player before we move on to the next thing. Just think about that. I mean, that's what, that's what really gets me. You get a young guy, he comes up from AAA. He's been hitting really well. He's adjusting to the major leagues. But he's not getting the benefit of the, of the doubt on the strike zone. He's got an incredible eye, but he's not getting the benefit of the doubt on the strike zone. And he starts getting called out on, on pitches that he's sure are balls. And there's no accountability for the umpire. Imagine how much that might change his entire career trajectory because now he's having doubt at the plate. Now, even though he was down in the minors, especially if he was in one of these minor league systems where the strike zone was automated, now he gets up and he's not as effective. Why is he not as effective? Because of the umpires. Not because of him, but because of the umpires. So it's it's a big problem. Hayes is right. And everybody else should be tweeting just along with him. Start handing out the uh, the passwords to all the other Major League Baseball players that forgot how to tweet. Kutch can tweet. He's on the IL. He's got plenty of time to tweet. Get him in there. Yeah, I mean, Kutch, this was, I mean, we've been talking about him a lot, Chris. And you I, God, I, you just never want to see something like this happen. I mean, it's a, it's a partial tear. You know, he still wants to come back. It kind of seems like, I mean, six weeks in a boot and then we'll see what happens. But I mean, this just kind of goes back to the fact that he was supposed to play some outfield, couldn't play some, couldn't play the outfield because, you know, his his ankle was a little bit messed up after playing outfield, you know, five times early on in the season, and then he had an elbow injury. So it's like, okay, well, now he's got an elbow injury. So can he really throw and field? And now, you know, now he's got a a partially torn Achilles. And I don't know, man. I mean, I just like I said before, I just wanted to see him get his his 300th home run and maybe a couple other little milestones that were laying in there and just ride off into the sunset. And now that's, you know, that's not going to happen. I mean, Kutch is, we've talked about, he's going to be back next year. It, even when we, I talked to Jason Mackey last week, we just talked about, you know, he, you God, you have to play some outfield. You can't just hog the DH position. And then number two, you have to know that like, you're going to be in there, you know, not full time. You're like the 25th, 26th man. You're not well, one yeah, of that's the starting what he is. nine. That's what he is. And he needs to understand that or you can't bring him back. All right? I understand what he means to, to Pirates fans. I understand that the owner loves him. I understand that he wants to be here. I don't recall him ever holding a World Series trophy over his head. So, I mean, there's plenty of players just like him in every single Major League Baseball town. That, that have great careers and that people associate him with. But, I mean, he isn't even at that level, okay? It, 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 he's, not, he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's not, he's not the greatest player in Pirates history. And I understand that you want to give him some respect, and that's fine, but you can't just let him hold your team hostage either. So if he wants to come back and he can't go play the outfield, he needs to understand that he's probably going to be out there two times a week in the DH spot. He's going to act as a 26th man and kind of a coach and a mentor. And he probably won't finish the season with the team because if they become competitive, he becomes a hindrance. And and that's the thing. You have all these young players and you're trying to take the next step. 
there's a point where you won't be able to carry him up the step with you. And, and I mean, that's rough. I get it. But baseball is littered with it. Littered with it. I, I went and looked up like Hall of Famers that retired mid-season. And there's a list of them. But the one that I found the most interesting was there was, uh, it was in the, in the early 90s, 1993. 1993, Carlton Fisk, who played for the Boston Red Sox, went into the Hall of Fame as a Red Sox player, and then played for the Chicago White Sox, was given a motorcycle halfway through the season in a ceremony and rode off into the sunset in a retirement ceremony. <laughs> That's awesome. He was hitting so poorly that they had to be so grand with getting him out of there that they gave him a Harley. He hobbled over on two bad legs. They helped place him on the Harley because of how bad his knees were, and he was like in his mid-40s still trying to be a catcher. But nobody wanted to tell him to retire because he was Carlton Fisk, right? And then he rode off on his motorcycle, and they went on and won the division that year because they were competing. They were a team full of young players, and they were competing, and he couldn't keep up anymore, but nobody wanted to just tell him, you're off. You're like, you can't DFA the guy. He's a legend, right? Yeah. Well, he's in the Hall of Fame. And so, like, the Pirates also have to remember that at some point, it's going to have to end for Kutch, and hopefully he knows the point, or otherwise you're going to have to get him what? what? What is Kutch like? Is he in the motorcycles? Can we get him that? <laughs> is he a skateboarder? Maybe we can give him a skateboarder. He can skateboard down the third base line and out the door. I don't know what it is, but I don't know if he really finishes the season next year. I don't see the renaissance happening where all of a sudden you see him run around the outfield again. So it feels like this is the end, but it's like team doesn't want to upset him, and he don't want to leave. Yeah, and I mean, there probably would be some fear that, I don't know, they're like, okay, if we if we don't sign Koch and then he still really, really wants to play and signs, you know, someplace else, then, you know, what the heck were we doing this year? I, I don't know. Yeah, but who cares? Who cares if he, like, let's say, what's the worst thing that happens? You don't sign him, he signs somewhere else, and he has a great couple of months again. And then eventually fizzles out because I'm going to tell you right now, anybody want to give me some money? I guarantee you, I guarantee I will, I will, I will take all bets. There is no way Andrew McCutcheon has a full 162 game season next year. Okay. Oh, and no he's way. effective on uh, any major league baseball team that's competing. There's just no way I, there's no way it's happening. So what's the worst case scenario? He comes out and he has a good, he has a good uh, April and May. And, and is hot in June before he gets himself hurt or he starts to fall off again. You're going to regret that you, he didn't get to do that with you. He's still going to fall off in the second half of the year. What I want him doing in 2024 is competing in the second half of the year. They're not going to be able to do that with him. And so like at some point it's going to end or he has to at least understand what his role is on the team. And if he understands it and everybody's good with it and there's going to be any blowback and it's not going to get in the way, then fine. I'm totally okay with it. But if it's going to be a difficult thing, you know, what are you saying to your young guys when you're saying you want to compete when they know that this guy ain't even going to make it through the year, but he's taking up a spot in the lineup? Like, that's the other thing. Well, it's almost like you want... And that's my heartless, that's my heartless cutch take, and everybody can yell about it on X or Twitter or whatever they're calling it tomorrow. Yeah, just let but it... But I mean, it's real. Sign him to the one-day contract, let him hit a home run, step yeah, on home plate, yeah. and just rock to your Harley. <laughs> I see the changes in this town They change, they say One thing but then the next day